0: is
1: real. There's power in Your name. We find hope when we trust in Your ways. We believe
0: Jesus is real. And so, when it comes time to start retelling the specific laws, it begins with worship. Because God realizes that we were created to worship Him and Him alone. That's why in the Big Ten, the Ten Commandments, what's the very first commandment? You shall have no other gods before me. I'm the Lord your God, you shall have no other gods before me. Because God knows that left up to our own devices, we are going to start to elevate things in our hearts above the true and living God.
1: Every law that we'll be studying in the book of Deuteronomy points to one thing, where our worship is. God has created us, given us an incredible place to live, and given His own Son to die for us so that we could have a relationship with Him. He deserves our worship. Pastor Daniel will share in today's message how allowing God's law to influence how we run our lives will help us keep our focus and our worship on our Creator. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Deuteronomy chapter 12 with part one of his message, Sacred Space.
0: Up in our Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 12, as we begin a brand new series here in the book of Deuteronomy that we are calling Blueprints. The reason we're calling the series Blueprints is because we're getting the second telling of the law. We've already seen Moses receiving the law and sharing it with the children of Israel, and we see it towards the end of the book of Exodus, all of Leviticus. And copious amount of sections in the book of Numbers. But if you recall that for the generation that saw the deliverance of the children of Israel from Egypt, everybody who was over a certain age ended up perishing in the wilderness because of the rebellion of the people of God against what God wanted. And so now we're at the edge of the promised land and a brand new generation who was young when the law was given, Moses wants to give them another, like, I want you to understand that this is what God wants. And this middle section in the book of Deuteronomy, the focus is literally on all the laws. And in a lot of ways, the laws that God gives, it's the blueprints that God gives for what life ought to be like. And so some scholars would say, and I really like the designation, that all of God's law breaks up into three different categories. There's a civil law, there's a ceremonial law, and there's a moral law. So the civil law is how are we organized as a people, right? The ceremonial law is how does God want us to worship? What is the ways that we ought to worship? And then the moral law is what is God's standard for right and wrong? And it's a nice little distinction. Now, again, every time you come up with a nice theological distinction, what you end up realizing is that you can't put God in a box. Because if you can put God in a box, he's not God. So no system works perfectly because you can't really put God in a box. But we do like those ideas so that we can understand what's going on. And so we're getting all of these blueprints for how we ought to live. Now, I think it's interesting because in Deuteronomy chapter 12, in this second section here, it gets right down to worship right away. And I don't want you to miss that. Because when push comes to shove in the economy of God, worship is the most important thing. Everything rises and falls, not on leadership, unlike what John Maxwell would say, although I understand what he's saying. Everything rises and falls on worship. Because who you worship and how you worship, it transforms your life. It's been said that whatever it is you worship, you will become like. And so worship matters to God Because you and I were hardwired We are created for worship Even if someone does not believe in Jesus They worship still just the same It's whatever you ascribe worth to in your life And so everybody has something or someone that they worship Everybody does And when we realize that, that no matter what, we are hardwired to be worshipers, you begin to realize that who you worship and how you worship matters. And so when it comes time to start retelling the specific laws, it begins with worship because God realizes that we were created to worship him and him alone. That's why in the Big Ten, the Ten Commandments, what's the very first commandment? You shall have no other gods before me. I'm the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. Because God knows that left up to our own devices, we are going to start to elevate things in our hearts above the true and living God. And listen, Crossroads, not only those who are gathered here, but those who are watching online, we're a large congregation. And there's many of us right now who are worshiping other gods. You've placed other things in front of the creator, sustainer God, who has revealed himself to us in Jesus And you're experiencing what it's like to worship other things. And you see that in your own life. You see it in your own heart. And so it begins once again, worship takes center stage. So let's look at it. And picking up in verse 1 of Deuteronomy chapter 12, look what it says. It says, These are the statutes and judgments which you shall be careful to observe in the land. The Lord God of your fathers is giving you to possess all the days that you live on the earth. You shall utterly destroy the places where the nations, which you shall dispossess, serve their gods on the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree. And you shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, and burn their wooden images with fire. You shall cut down the carved images of their gods and destroy their names from that place. You shall not worship the Lord your God with such things. Verse 5, But you shall seek the place where the Lord your God chooses out of all your tribes to put his name for his dwelling place. And there you shall go. Verse 6. There you shall take your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes, and your heave offerings of your hands, your vowed offerings, your free will offerings, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice In all to which you have put your hand, you and your household, which the Lord your God has blessed you. You shall not at all do as you are doing here today. Every man doing whatever is right in his own eyes. For as yet you have not come to the rest and the inheritance which the Lord your God is giving you. But when you cross over the Jordan... And dwell in the land which the Lord your God is giving you to inherit. And he gives you rest from all your enemies round about so that you dwell in safety. Then there will be the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. There you shall bring all that I command you. Your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes, your heave offerings of your hand. And all your choice offerings which you vow to the Lord. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God. You and your sons and your daughters your male and your female servants, and the Levite who's within your gates, since he has no portion nor an inheritance with you. Take heed to yourself that you do not offer your burnt offerings in every place that you see, but in the place which the Lord chooses in one of your tribes. There you shall offer your burnt offerings, and there you shall do all that I command you. Now, it's interesting because the focus of this first 12 verses that we just read, the focus is on the sanctuary and the sacrifices that go along with the sanctuary. So that's why I've entitled this message Sacred Space. Because really what you have is that as they're going into the promised land, God wants them to worship him specifically and in a specific place and in a specific way. And you might say to yourself, well, I mean, is God really that big of a micromanager? And when it comes to worship, the answer is absolutely. God cares very much that we worship him and we worship him in the way that he is prescribed because God knows how important worship is. So he begins, again, verse one, these are the statutes and judgments which you shall be careful to observe in the land which the Lord God of your fathers is giving you to possess all the days that you live on all the earth. Now, this is important. He's saying, look, this is my commands, these are my statutes that you need to follow when you go into the promised land, right? And he says, and do it all the days of your life. Now listen, for many of you right now, you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, maybe sometime in the past, and you were very passionate about following the Lord, but there's been a little bit of a compromise. There's been a slide that's gone on. And I love the fact that he doesn't say, when you go in, right as you get there, because it's going to be new and exciting, and I'm bringing you in, then I want you to do things, and then later I want you to like kind of slack off. That's not what he says. Do it all the days of your life. And one of the hardest things that we have as followers of Jesus is to keep showing up with passion, with our hands and our hearts in his word, saying, God, I'm going to follow you passionately all the days of my life. And so we need to make sure he makes a distinction. It's not just like in the beginning. What I found as a pastor personally and in walking this journey with lots of people is that people get saved and they're like really saved. And it's like, man, I'm following Jesus and ain't nothing going to break up my stride. Nobody going to hold me down. Whoa, whoa. I got to keep on moving in Jesus name. Right. And nothing can stop you. Some of you know that song. Yeah, yeah it's a good song. It's a good song. You know, But what happens is, is that's how it begins. But then over time, you lose that kind of, that fire. You lose the passion. You get a little comfortable. And then all of a sudden, you start to sit back on your heels a little bit. And there are things that can break your stride. And you get distracted. And you're not following Jesus with fervor. And I think there's many of you in here right now that are like that. And I just want to encourage you, you need to turn back to the Lord. The Bible calls that repentance. Repentance is something that we do every single day. We repent one time when we get saved. Repentance unto justification. But then every single day when we realize that our hearts are turning from the Lord, we turn back. And we repent often every day unto sanctification. And I think there's some of you right now, you just need to turn back to the Lord because like, the, you're not going to surprise the Lord when you say, Lord, I've I've been straying or I'm not as passionate as I was. He knows it already. But he loves you enough. See, that word repentance is a beautiful word. It's a word of relationship. It's a word that says, God, I'm coming back to the lover of my soul again. And even though I've strayed, I'm coming back again. What I want you to know, because I realize that for some people, like, well, no, no, listen, I've gone too far or I've made too many mistakes. Listen, every time we turn to the Lord, he's already there waiting for us. When it comes to repentance, God doesn't play hard to get. He wants us to walk with him. He's done everything within his power other than make us robots. He's done everything within his power to ensure that when we turn our hearts to him, he is there waiting for us. He sent Jesus. And so we need to make sure we are following him all the days of our lives. I think if we're really honest with ourselves, if we allow the spirit of God to search our hearts, all of us in some ways are in a state of backsliddenness. Like, like, like there's one area that we're doing really good, another area it's like, I'm not really doing so hot right there right now. You know, and so I've I noticed that whenever I say holy spirit search my heart and know me and there's any wicked way in me Leave me the way of everlasting. There's always some wicked way in me <laughs> There's always something that god's like I want to work on this on you right now And I just assume that we're all kind of like that that god's not done with us yet We're in process and there's always things that we can be learning But I love that distinction he doesn't just say do it right as you get in and then you can just slack off He said like, no no I want you to do this all the days of your life. I want you to follow me passionately all the days of your life. Now, in verse 2, he jumps right on into, You shall utterly destroy all the places where the nations you shall dispossess, serve their gods on the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree. And you shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, and burn their wooden images with fire. You shall cut down the carved images of their gods and destroy their names from this place. You shall not worship the Lord your God with such things. So they're going into a land that has been inhabited by people in all their ways of worshiping, whether on the hills or on the mountains, the high places, all of it exists. And he says, when you go in, I want you to break all of that down. I don't even want you to leave any remnant of it standing. Why? Because God knows that left up to our own human devices we're going to have a tendency to try and either first worship the true God in a false way or we're going to start worshiping other gods. And what you find is that the children of Israel don't ever quite do this. They do it a little bit, but not all the way. That's what we're going to find when we get to the book of Joshua and following. You're going to find that they didn't do it all the way and ended up being all these different things became issues that they had. Now, how do we apply this to our lives? Quite simply, listen, Are you tearing down every form of idol worship that's in your heart, or are you leaving some things in place? You got to ask yourself. Like Jesus says, if your right eye causes you sin, you should pluck it out, and if your hand causes you sin, you should chop it off. Now, he's not really saying you should pluck your eye out and chop your hand off because you realize you can have no eyes and still have all sorts of visuals in your heart. But the idea is, the idea is, is that we need to deal ruthlessly with our sins. That we can't leave a high place or a carved image in our hearts that's going to be a place that we stumble. But you got to ask yourself, where are your stumbling places? Where are your high places? Where are your carved images that you know is a place of failure and downfall for you that you're leaving standing when God is saying, no, no, I want you to just take that thing. I want you to wipe it out. I don't want there to be any remnant where you can stumble because you've left something in place that's not supposed to be there take a moment and ask yourself that because we have them there's things that maybe it's like you can't be on social media without some sort of inappropriate feelings or thoughts maybe you should pull yourself off that actually you should absolutely should you know it's like if you're somebody who struggles with internet pornography do you have the filters on or do you know the way around the filters if you know the way around the filters then the filters are useless so then maybe it's just get off the internet because you know what's amazing Life is amazing without the internet. Like, don't get me wrong. I like that. I like, I like the internet like the next person. But like, you realize that for like over 6,000 years of humanity, however long humans have been on this earth, there's only been the internet for like 15 years. And everyone was just fine. Like, everyone was fine. And I'm not being low on technology. What I'm saying is though, if that is an altar on which you worship a false god... Then you need to tear that thing down And we all have these areas in our lives That if we're serious About following Jesus We have to ask ourselves Where our vulnerabilities are And I love the fact that The Lord says listen I want you to get rid of all of them I don't want you to mess with any of them I want you to. It doesn't matter if it's a high place If it's a hill If it's a garden Whatever it is I want you to tear it all down All those carved images I want you to destroy them And notice in verse 4, it's very specific. You shall not worship the Lord your God with such things. Now remember in the Ten Commandments, the big ten, in Exodus chapter 20, where it begins with, you shall have no other gods before me, and then it says, you shall not make any carved images. See, not only is it about worshiping the true God, but it's about worshiping the true God in the right way, in the true way. And so he's like, I don't want you to co-opt these places and say that you're worshiping me there. Because that's not what I want. And notice what he says as you move into verse 5. But you shall seek the place where the Lord your God chooses out of all your tribes to put his name for his dwelling place and there you shall go. There you shall take your burnt offerings. Now, in verse 5, it's important because God has a specific place that he wants them to worship. Now, you realize from knowing your Bible that it begins with this Mobile worship tent that we call the tabernacle And then the tabernacle gives way By the time of King David And a little bit earlier That he chooses Jerusalem Right? And that name literally means the city of peace That he chooses to place his name right there Right? So the tabernacle gives way to Jerusalem Where the temple goes And then the temple gives way to what? Anybody know? Jesus and how do I know that? Because Jesus said, you destroyed this temple and I'll raise it up again in three days. And he was talking about himself, right? So the place that God desired to be worshipped was the tabernacle, which gives way to the temple, which gives way to the living temple, the true living word, Jesus of Nazareth, the place where God meets with mankind and mankind meets with God in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Think about what that means in a world like ours—that's pluralistic, where everyone says, "Listen, you worship your way, and you worship your way, and you know whatever your higher power is, you take that." No, no, Jesus says, "No, no, no. I am the Lord, and there is no other way but by me." I remember when I read that; I didn't grow up in the church. So it's not like I, like, I just kind of always heard this stuff, and I was like, when I got older, I'm like, yeah, that's what you believe. No, no, I didn't believe any of that stuff. And I remember reading the teachings of Jesus after reading the Quran, after reading the Bhagavad Gita, after reading about Buddha, and all this stuff, and I read Jesus, and Jesus said, you know, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. And I thought to myself, ouch. Because you know what I had to say to myself after that? I'm like, okay, so... That's an arrogant statement. That was the first thing I thought. And the second thing I thought is, what if he's right? What if he's right? I realize that some of you right now, I say that and you're like, seriously? I mean, is this really the way this goes? And what I would say to you is that if you're a seeker here today, and I hope that, and I know there's many of you who are, if you're just kind of checking this out, you have to deal with the things that Jesus said. Like any teacher, you have to, like, if you are intellectually honest, you're going to look at the things he said, and you're going to say, what do I do with this? Now, what I would tell you is that if you followed every spiritual teacher, if you just gave everyone their due, guess what? You'd end up believing in Jesus, because he's the only one who said, I'm the only way. Like, if you just said, I'm going to follow, like, eh, Jesus is the only one who said, I am the temple of the living God. I am the place where God meets with humanity and humanity meets with God. It is me. Me And I remember having to deal with that And just being like, okay So if it's really him Then I better follow him You know But you have to realize that That God wants us to worship And there's a place associated with it And he doesn't want him just to worship anywhere He says, in this place that I make my name Out of your tribes Now what's amazing is Is for the children of Israel It was a location Right It was the tabernacle and then the temple. But when you think about what he's saying, out of all your tribes, which tribe did God choose to bring the living temple from? The tribe of Judah. It's fascinating if you go back through the book of Genesis and you see what went on with the tribe of Judah. You go back to the prophecy about the tribe of Judah in Genesis chapter 49 and all these different places. Very, very powerful to realize that God is actually choosing a person as the location, Jesus of Nazareth. And then in verse six, we go through all these different offerings. I love how, in this case, brief Moses is. And if you missed it, we did a series called Sacrifice. in the first, it was like about a 10 or 11 chapters of the book of Leviticus. We went in our nice leisurely pace through all the different offerings and what they mean and how they done. So um, I could go back through them all again, but But you're like, I missed that series. It's all, just go to our website. Just go into our media page. We have all the archives. I went slow. I explained all of them and talked about all sorts of fun stuff. But these are all the places where the sacrifices are meant to come, right? Now in verse seven, and there you shall eat before the Lord your God and you shall rejoice in all to which you have put your hand, you and your household, in which the Lord your God has blessed you. Now I love this. And in some ways it's proof that God is Italian just kidding. But, but God loves to eat with his people. And you know what I love about that? Because like in that culture, when you had a meal with somebody, it denoted a oneness. And this was long before like our kind of our European properness, where you have your plate and I have mine, and you have your forks and I have mine. And when we're gonna have a dipping sauce, I take a little spoon and put on my plate, because God forbid I dip in your thing, because it's we're all freaked out, you know? But it's like back in the day, it's like you would only have a meal with somebody who the implication was there's oneness because they didn't have that type of, of propriety, we would call it, or concern about germs. Everybody would be double dipping. Everyone would just be pulling meat off the same thing. And it was, it reminded me of growing up because when I grew up, everybody's hands were in your plate. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I'm all Italian. So literally my grandma, should would be like, like oh, take this, she'd take it out of her mouth, stick it in your mouth. You know what I mean? And it's your grandma, so you just said, thank you, grandma. You know what I mean? And so, it's, But that was just the way that we lived. It's like, oh, this is so good. It was, was kind of gross, but it was the way that I was raised, so I understand this stuff, you know what I mean? And God prepared me for this. because, But like when it says, like, the Lord, it's about this fellowship meal, and you think about the Lord's table. God's calling us friends, my friends.
1: Jesus is... Today's message began a new series continuing to look deeper into the book of Deuteronomy. Pastor Daniel reminded us today that the Israelites, and people today as well, need to have a refresher course at times on what God expects of our lives. The blueprints for godly living found in Deuteronomy remind us of our need to worship only God and how easily we can get derailed by the world. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel.
0: God has been doing some amazing things at Crossroads. One of the things that I'm the most stoked about is our new campuses. We launched a brand new campus in southwest Portland. So if you're in the area, I'd love to invite you to come and join us for worship Sundays at 10 a.m. Our online campus is reaching the entire world. And we'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 9, 11, or 1 p.m., or Wednesdays at 7 p.m at CrossroadsLive.tv. Now here's Josh with what's coming up on our next episode of Jesus Is Real
1: Radio. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will share more of God's instructions to the nation of Israel as they stand poised to conquer the land promised to them long ago. God wanted them and us to be aware of the responsibility involved in following Him and how we can't rely on others to carry our faith out. We need to take ownership of our own relationship with God and carry out his plan for our individual lives. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series called Blueprints. Until then, may God bless.